lovely are they offering baskets going around then lovely why don't you just even say hello to somebody sitting beside you make them feel very welcome this morning apologize on my behalf that you have to listen to me but sure there you go <laughs> there's lots of new people in church this morning so please make them feel very welcome and at home Lovely, lovely. We're not in any rush this morning. Just, as I say, if you're new here, it is so lovely to have you. This is why church exists, so that you would come in and feel welcome this morning, and I hope that you do. My name is Cheryl. I get the wonderful opportunity to um, do two things within church, and hopefully a wee bit more than two things as well. But I get the lovely opportunity to uh, minister to our kids, uh, not uh, just within the walls, but outside the walls in schools. Uh, right throughout Dungannon, about six or seven schools that allow me in and allow me out again, which is wonderful. Uh, I get the wonderful opportunity actually to go into prison as well, and they let me out again, which is very good too. And uh, that's part of the ministry that I do. Um, the word that everybody hates, evangelism, but really it's not evangelism. It's just me uh, going in and telling an alternative story. And actually that story really began um, in my heart many years ago when I encountered God as a child, which was uh, wonderful for me. And I remember being filled with joy at six and a half. And that's how I know that I know that I know that God meets with children. Not only that, I could take you to a place where God spoke to me on the Gortmurn Link Road when I was 14. I was going across the road to destroy a, a mission tent, a mission thing that was going on. Oh yeah, I was a bit of a rebel then. Uh -huh. And uh, God spoke to me very clearly and he said, I've got more for you than this. And he called me to Bible college when I was 19. And I journeyed through that. And then I went into a, a, a large period of my life where I was sick and depressed um, after coming out of Bible college and ministering and stuff like that there in England. And then I failed God. What do you know about that? Anybody else ever failed God terribly? And this is the alternative story that God has put in my heart, you see. You cannot take that story from me, how God has changed my life from a huge big failure uh, when I was about 22, 23. And it took me 10 years to get over that. I used to be the uh, last person in on a Sunday morning. I used to be the first person out. And I'm not lying. I'm telling you the honest to goodness truth this morning. And what God has done in my life is the alternative story that I want to tell in pubs and clubs, in schools, on the streets, in prison, and anywhere else. What Jesus has done for me, he can do for anybody. Is that good? Is that good news this morning? Is it? Good. <laughs> it's good. It's good news for me. Good news for me. It really is. And I find it a privilege to be up here. If you'd have told me 17 years ago that God would give me the privilege to speak to all you lovely people, seriously, would I have believed it in my brokenness? Never. Never. I wouldn't. I didn't want to live. I wouldn't have believed you. See, God takes us on a journey. And he gives us an alternative story. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, the greatest win for me would be this morning that you just open your heart to the one that loves you and the one that is so kind. He has never let me down. See this, 
the, the thoughts of this this morning that I'm going to bring to you, he has given to me. From the moment that Jason asked me and I thought to myself, oh, come on, why can't Matt do it? I don't want to do it. It's not my calling. It's not my norm. And yet God has given me that title even this morning of what is normal to us as a church individually and collectively together. I think Jason started last week. I was in and out of kids and stuff like that there. I don't know if anybody was here. He was talking about the essentials in Vineyard Church Dungannon. Talking about the fact that our tribe, this church here, has a unique voice and vision. But it only works with the whole church. What is the church this morning? Is it the building? Is it the blue walls this morning? Is it this place here? No, it's you. It's you and me. And he reminded us that what we do individually is what drives us corporately together. Isn't that right? So the essential that we want to look at this morning is simply being an outward-focused church. Now, can I just tell you about my journey about this? I remember the first day that I saw Jason pray for somebody down at the football fields. I thought he was nuts. What was he doing? I'd never seen anybody get prayed for before. And I thought it was a bit strange, but he was just being outward focused. He was, he was hearing the Father and what he was doing, and he was believing that God could heal. And I want us to think this morning by using the story of Moses and all, and my story and other people's stories here in church, because I'm going to ask a few people to come up later on and share their story. What, what is the norm in Vineyard Church Dungana? What is normal for us now to do after being planted many years ago, 14 years ago or something? What does normal in the kingdom, with a kingdom perspective, look like to you this morning? You see, whenever you're out of your normal circumstance, how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? Are you still awake? How does it make you feel? If you're here for the first time this morning, and this isn't your norm about coming to church and being with other Christians and stuff, you probably feel a bit nervous, don't you? Yeah, there's people nodding, that's right. Can I tell you a story? Now, I'm a little bit concerned about how this story is going to go down, okay? But I knew when it happened that someday I'd get to use it. Now, please, be gracious with me with this story, will you? Yes. Yes. Because when you're in a situation that actually is normal to you, you actually do feel nervous and you feel out of your comfort zone. Yes or no? Isn't that right? I want to tell you about one time that I went to Farnham Estate. Anybody ever been to Farnham Estate? Lovely place. I only go when there's a real bargain on and it's 30-something pounds uh, to go like that there. There's an outdoor swimming pool and I love it. There's a sauna and there's a um, steam room and you can sit outside and it's glorious and wonderful and it's in Cavan. And then I thought, God, why should I advertise that place? And then God says, well, that's the kingdom. Let the business grow. But here's what happened to me. Are you going to be gracious? Please do. So I had a big feed the last day that I was there in Farnham Estate. Always take in the smoked salmon, always eat a fry, fruit, anything else that's going. If you know me, I'll eat it, okay? Had that. Always have a routine. I go to the gym as soon as I get up. You'd be very pleased to hear that, Carol. She's very fit. I go to the gym first of all, then eat a big feed, and then I get my swimsuit back on again. I look like a beached whale, but I don't care for the amount of stuff that I've ate. And then I usually get out because you have to get out by 12 o'clock. So I thought to myself, do you know what I'll do? I'll go to my favorite place in the world, the sauna. Anybody else like the sauna? I love it. I love heat. I love heat. So now travel with me on this because for me, this is a dangerous story. So I'm at the sauna door and I'm just looking around me and it's probably about 10 to 12 and I'm thinking, get in quickly, sit down quickly, receive the heat and get out quickly because I have to get out of the room. So I'm at the door, I close the door behind me and I look down 
and there's three pairs of shorts on the floor. <laughs> and I look up quickly, and I see three men without the shorts. And honestly, I just, I say, I say it out loud because here in this moment of not the normal for me, something of the Freudian slip comes out of me every time and you will catch this when I tell you what I said to these three German men. Sitting very modestly, obviously in a dark sauna, thank the Lord for that, naked. And I looked up really quickly, closing the door and I goes, I meant to be in here. And they invited me to sit down. So I thought it'd be cool. And I sat down with three other naked men in the sauna. And I'm thinking, this is not my norm. But it got worse, okay? Now, welcome to church this morning. This got worse. Because as the men said to me, I'll not even do the German accent, will I? Do you mind that we are here like this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I said, worse than that. I goes, I am blessed. Trust me, that wasn't the end of it. I don't know what happened to me because see when you're not in your norm, I am telling you honest truth. Well, I have laughed about this for the past a year and a half. Anita Wishart was with me. She's a very gentle, shy individual. And thank the Lord she was getting a, a, a massage up in the rest of the hotel because she probably would have fainted, to be honest. But then they said something else to me as well. And again, a Freudian slip came out. And I'm really sorry about this this morning, but I'm just trying to tell you what it feels like not to be in the norm. Then they said something else to me, and I'm like, no, will you bear with me? This came out of my mouth. This is the most action I've had in ages. I am so sorry. <laughs> and that's probably all you remember about me this morning. I must have went into shock mode because I sat down, looked pretty relaxed, looked like this was the norm for me, but uh, kind of just made sure I had my swimsuit still on me and all, and sat and talked to them about business. And then when they left, and obviously I diverted my eyes, I couldn't help but laugh in the sauna. People must have thought I was crazy. Can you understand what way it felt not to be in the norm? I'm telling you now, and see, the minute they closed the door, I, go, I goes, God, you have to have a sense of humor. I don't care what anybody says to me. The father and I laughed in that sauna, and my goodness, the Freudian slips that came out of me. I'm glad they didn't ask me anything else. But you see, whenever you're not in a position of, it's your norm. It's your normal to be outward focused. Because here's the thing. You know when children are two, three, and four and stuff, they're egocentric. It's all about us. It's all about me. And I've lived like that as a Christian. And I've asked myself, well, what's the church? What does it exist for? It exists for me. It wasn't the norm for me in my life to be an outward-focused Christian. And we're going to look at what that looks like today because I thought actually it was all about me. This is all about me being fed. But what about me? But God has done something in my heart. And it happened in that press cafe as I look through there and see Tom Bailey dancing. It happened in that press cafe that God did something in me. Maybe five, six years ago, I stumbled into a life group setting that was all about the kingdom. And I was sitting there, and then this came after the most terrible time, one of the most terrible, hardest times in this job and in my life. And sometimes, guys, your greatest victory will be after your greatest defeat and your greatest harm and your greatest pain. If you take nothing else away this morning, keep holding on. And I mean that. I really do. It wasn't the norm for me to think of other people outside of myself because life was about me. 
It was all about me. Even as a Christian, even sitting under the teaching of the vineyard in Coleraine and here and different places. But it was in that room back there that somehow God deposited something in me and he gave me a kingdom perspective. And he gave me new eyes and new ears. And Jason encouraged us as he spoke about the kingdom. He said this. He said, why don't you go and try it out? Because faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And I thought, well, okay. I'll just see what God does. Yes, I think I'm available, God. <gasps> He's not after your ability. He's after your availability. We were saying that at the dinner table last night, weren't we, Roger, with the kids? It's not about your ability and how brilliant that you are or how brilliant that I was, but it was about my availability. And do you know what God started to do? This is serious. Every single day, I think for three months, I got the opportunity to pray with people outside this building. And my heart was flying, thinking I'm going to have a heart attack and they're going to have to pray for me, never mind me pray for them. Because we have to ask ourselves this morning, what does church exist for? William Temple, he said this, and this is what you'll hear in the vineyard quite a lot. The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. Can I say that again? The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. You see, it's very challenging for us to think this morning as a church, isn't it? That it's a missional society rather than a club. I'd love it to be a comfortable place. Who doesn't want to live on Comfortable Street, Easy Avenue, Easyville? Anybody? Because I want to live there. Don't you? where you just go to work and you come home and you get your dinner and you watch whatever and you go to sleep and you go, you go to work and you come home and get your dinner and go. And God doesn't push you into places where your heart's flying and he's depositing things in you and saying, guys, be outward focused individually and yes, collectively together. You see, the church exists for the people that are outside and there's nothing that blesses my heart this morning than, than that you're new here to church today. You couldn't give me a million pounds that would make me have more joy to see new people in church this morning. And whether you're following God or not, or maybe pursuing him or journeying, what he looks like, he's beautiful. He is good and he's beautiful. And he's not just for us, but he's for the thousands outside this building. I was reading an article late, lately, and I have to keep an eye on time so they don't go over, um, that asked the question about the disciples. Do you ever honestly think that they thought, oh, for goodness sake, Jesus, can we not just stay in the boat? Have we not just enough disciples? We're in the boat. We're out of the boat. We're in the boat. We're out of the boat. But Jesus kept at it. He kept sharing the good news. He never lost the hunger to change people's lives, ever. He never lost that hunger. Even in his dying hour, he said to the person on the, on the cross beside him, you'll be with me today. Isn't that amazing? That even in our dying hours, we can see people come to faith. In Matthew 28, he doesn't engage in a group hug. This is what Jesus says. He instead encourages them to go and to draw others in. He says, go into all the world. Because here's what Jesus knew, that when you go, you grow. When you go, you grow. I love going to prison and getting back out again. I love being with men that have lost hope because they are done. They have done something in whatever years. I have talked to prisoners who have been there for 17 years, people. They're not in there for a short stretch. If I don't go and give them hope, if you don't go and give them hope, who will? Who will this morning? And because of what Jesus has done in me, 
I have to give it away. I was thinking around the park the other day, if I had the answer to cancer, what would you think of me if I kept it to myself? I've you couldn't, you can't do it, guys. You've got the answer this morning. I've got the answer this morning. And I don't get up every morning and, and be, a, you know, holy in prayer and three hours here and three hours there, praying here and there. I'm just constantly, constantly with a kingdom perspective and asking God what he's doing in the room, asking God what he's doing in the pub, asking God what he's doing on the streets, asking God what he's doing in McGabry, asking God what he's doing in the schools, asking God what he's doing with the staff in the schools. You see, the thing is about us as a church this morning, and it's in our DNA. It's in our DNA to be outward focused. If it's not in your DNA, there's something wrong. There has to be because Jesus was outward focused. Isn't that right? Would you agree? Isn't that it? Here's the thing this morning. I was never going to be six foot tall. My daddy was not six foot tall. My mummy was not six foot tall. Isn't that right? No, I was never going to be six foot tall. I have the DNA of my mummy and daddy. Isn't that correct? In fact, who do you look like this morning? Your ma or your da? Which one do you want to look like? Neither of them? That's a bit rough. That's a bit rough. It's in my DNA this morning. It's in our DNA this morning to look out. And this is the, this is the confirmation of this. Even if you don't believe me, believe Jesus. This is what he says. Luke 15, 4. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country? And go after the lost, the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends, rejoice with me, I found my sheep. This was told by Jesus when he'd been criticized for socializing with sinners. Did you know that? But Jesus takes this moment in the kingdom to reveal his rescue mission plan. How much would an adult sheep weigh? 110, 125 pound, maybe, something like that. John's nodding his head, if I've got it right or wrong. It wouldn't have been no small thing for a shepherd to put a sheep around his neck. Isn't that right? The weight of it. However, for joy of finding the sheep, the shepherd bears the discomfort. Jesus did. And here's the thing this morning. So must we. You know, I've had three nights and this is not about me. I'm just telling you that when you step into something and you say yes, it's not all, always easy. I've had three nights where I've woke at half past three and I can't sleep. Thinking of you all looking back at me. <laughs> and yet you're my family this morning. I love you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. I don't have it all together this morning. I wish I did, but I want to say church. Our DNA is outward focused. And this church is never going to change. It's never going to change. But there's always more. There's always more. Now, I don't know if I've got this right, but I tried to look this up. How many people live in Dungannon this morning? How many people? Even here this morning, yes, you all live in Dungannon. And how many people live out there in Dungannon this morning? Is there about 60,000? Stephen, would you know? Anybody know? I've tried to look it up, yeah. 61,000 people in Dungannon. And I looked up the growth rate and 18% it has grown in the past decade. And here's something else that I read as well. Dungannon holds the record for the greatest change in racial makeup of any UK council in the last decade. 
We're not trying to be the best church. But can I just slip this in as well, that I love this place. And when people speak against it, be very sure that I cannot be silent in their presence. And I mean that because this is my family. This is a place where I have been made into the woman that I am today by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not trying to be the best church, remember, but we're trying to be the best church for Dungannon. See, there's people lost this morning, like that sheep who are lonely, grieving, abused, poor, homeless, addicted, empty, and trying to find their way. And maybe that's you here this morning. I want to tell you you're loved in this family, whether you've just stepped in for the very first time, you're loved beyond measure. What does it mean for the church, for ourselves and the big C, to live in the norm of being outward focused. We're going to look really quickly, and you know me, I'm faith mission trained. I have to have all my alliteration. Very good. And we're going to look at who, what, where, when. So you'll remember it. Isn't that right? If you remember nothing else. So if you look in your Bibles really quickly, we're going to look at Exodus 3, verses 1 to 14, and then Exodus 4, verse 1. And really quickly, we're going to run through this. Then we're going to get a few people up to share with us how outward focused has touched their life and how they're being outward focused at the present minute. Are you all still with me? You all okay? Good stuff. Anybody that's new, are you feeling comfortable? Is are okay? Good stuff. Good stuff. Brilliant. Right, do we have the verses up? That's brilliant. Very good, Jade. You're very kind. Right, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that, that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Do you know what God said to me when I read that verse? He says, you know what? I'm the God that sees and hears. And some people this morning, you might need to hear that this morning. God sees and hears you. He's a living, relational God. And maybe he has seen your oppression and it's time. It's time to let it go. And it's time to be set free even this morning. And I've heard the cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up uh, from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and whoever else there as well. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, <laughs> who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent to you. And then over to chapter 4, a few verses there. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Have you ever asked that question? Who am I? There's two ways we can look at that. The church this morning, somehow, the church, the global bigger church, has forgotten who they are. You see, I'm a kingdom carrier this morning. You're a kingdom carrier this morning. If you know Jesus in your life, who you are is a daughter and a son of the king. Behold what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. That's it. I'm a kingdom carrier this morning. We're teaching the children that um, when they walk into a room, they're a kingdom carrier. Things can change because they're present in that room. So you could be asking like two sides of that uh, question this morning, but who am I in God? I've forgotten who I am. People tell me in work they're sick. I've forgotten that I'm a kingdom carrier. I've forgotten that I could pray for them and actually see them healed. I've just forgotten. And sometimes we just forget, don't we? In different circumstances. And then uh, Moses says, in another uh, kind of way, he says, who am I? Are you serious? Could somebody else not go? Who else could go? Is there anybody in this tribe could go instead of me? That's what I want to ask. Yeah, is there anybody else can speak up here? Apart from me, isn't it? And Moses says, look, Look, God says to him, he says, it doesn't matter, Moses, who you are. What's important is who I am. And sometimes the church needs to wake up. Remember that God is the I am that I am and that he has sent us. And he says, go and grow. And that reminded me of a song um, that we used to teach the children years ago when I was doing ministry and stuff. Read your Bible, pray every day. Anybody know that one? Pray every day, pray every day. No harm to you, whoever's written this, and I hope that they're not listening. It's not true. Because you could pray and read all day, all night, and when you never go, you'll never grow. I'm telling you now, I've never grown as much in these past five or six years. Through all the failures still that I go through, through all the grief of losing my daddy, through losing a friend through suicide, through divorce and separation in our family, through lots of different things, through my brother having cancer this morning. And I'm telling you that I'm still a kingdom carrier in the midst of that. Why? Because I know who I am. That's what God said to me. He said, Cheryl, you just know who you are. It happened to you in that room. There was a kingdom perspective put on me that said there's a lost sheep out there. And who else is going to go, church? Who else is going to go to the 61,000 people? And then he says, oh, it doesn't matter to you. I know who I am. I don't know what to say, says Moses. It's okay, I'll tell them. Moses says, they won't listen to me. God says they will see and they will believe. Okay? We don't follow signs and wonders, but signs and wonders follow us. When I pray for the sick, I know God's going to do something. I'm sorry, guys. I know it, and I'll share the verses with you. And Moses says very politely, and then he says, I can't speak well. God says in Exodus 4.10, uh, he says, Who gave human beings their mouth, Moses? Hmm. Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. 
because all of us could sit on the seats and all of us could say the same thing, but I'll just stutter through it. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know how to love people. The who, what, why, where. I don't know, I don't know how to answer these questions. It's not me, God. Send somebody else beside me. Why don't you say that to somebody? Send someone else, God. Say it to somebody beside you. Send someone else because sometimes that's what the church has said. Send somebody better than me because you guys are better than me. But here's the thing this morning. John 6, 68, Simon Peter says this. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, he got caught up in what he could see physically and what he could hear physically with his own ear about his own stutter and everything else. And what you're doing individually is what we are doing uh, corporately. And if you don't have a kingdom perspective this morning and God hasn't dropped something in your heart for the lost, then what is wrong with the DNA of how we're made up the same as the king? We engage in lots of things, church outward focused stuff together and reach and crash and give a dated and gannon, counter on the streets, big serve, schools, prison, etc., etc. But what about the in-between stuff that we do on our own? Everyone, everywhere, every day, everyone, everywhere, every day. Uh, Friday at the gym, uh, I got the chance to pray with a young girl, maybe in her teens, who has gone through an awful lot of sickness and her mother said, yes, please do pray with her. At the gym, I had to stop the treadmill. Do you know how hard it is to get the treadmill going? And my wee legs on it. But it's worth it. Why? Because I believe God can heal her. Because I believe God can open up her heart to him. She doesn't know Jesus. In fact, she said she was an atheist. I don't care. I don't care. Send them to us this morning. And not only us, send us to them. Isn't that it? Because we have a message to share that is good. It's good, but Moses says, send someone else. Send someone else. I remember the first time going to ICU in the Royal uh, Hospital, praying for somebody that ha- from the boy who had fallen downstairs, uh, had drank too much, etc., etc., and wasn't waking up. And I remember someone saying to me, will you come and pray with him? And I'm thinking, okay, I'll go. I haven't got a baldy what I'm doing, to be honest, but I'll go. So she takes a wee thing of oil with her and I just take scripture and we go into ICU and there's a guy over here, his kidneys are failing, he is an awful colour. We go over to this guy here, he is not wakened up, he's been in a coma and they're worried about him, the family are worried, etc, etc. And we just pray over him and here's what I do, the stupidest, craziest thing, I tell him, I tell him to get up. I tell him to get up and the next 24 hours I tell him to wake up. Is that stupid? He's been in a coma. The doctors have said that there's maybe no hope for him and the family's worried. And here's what happens. Then we just leave and he doesn't batter an eyelid. So the next day comes and I'm driving past the Royal School and I think to myself, I think, I wonder how he's doing. And it wasn't long till we got a text. The next day, my brother fluttered his eyelids when you left last night and he's awake this morning. Now that's the kingdom. That's stepping into saying yes to something I haven't even got a clue about. It's a kingdom perspective. Here's some of my favorite verses. Mark 10 verse 7 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Here's another verse. Luke 17, 21. You see, the kingdom of God is within you. Who you carry is Jesus. You're a kingdom carrier. All right, you've had life very tough maybe some people in this place and I would agree with you you have you have the Holy Spirit living within you and you are a wounded healer 
which means you cannot wait until you're perfect. Here's another favorite verse as well. This is one of my favorite verses. John 5, 17. Here it is. My father is always at work. My father is always at work. So even if I don't see it happening, he's always at work. Isn't that right? He's always at work. He's always at work. You can't deny it this morning, guys, that when you step into a place of feeling nervous and not your normal, that God shows up. He shows up. You see, the church is a launch pad. It's a launch pad. It's a movement, not a monument this morning. It's a trampoline out into the 61,000 people that are out in Dungannon. You see, we're workers together with God. I don't do it on my own. I'm only sharing with you my story. That when people ask me to pray for them, and, and even when they don't ask me to pray for them, at the very start when I started to really re realize I was a kingdom carrier, I used to go up to people, like even in, in uh, off-license, I went up to a lady in an off-license in Sainsbury's, and she probably thought I was actually drunk at the time. And I go to her, I know this is a really stupid question. And that's how I used to start uh, inviting people to allow me to pray for them. Now she said no, and there's loads of people that will say no, but there's loads of people that will say yes. And if you come out with me, and if you're in your office and wherever that you are, there's a world waiting for you. And they want to say yes. And there's so many stories I could share with you this morning. Can you identify with Moses? Can you, church? I can. Oh, come on. I'm not perfect this morning. I've stood up in those streets on days when I don't even want to be there. I've gone to assembly last Thursday and thinking, God, I can't even fill this in in this week. And God shows up. Why? Just because you gave him your yes. Just because you give him your yes. Just because you say, yes, God, I believe people need you. Jesus, I believe with all my heart that what you've done in me, you can do in anyone. You can do it in anyone. If you really want to know the depths of my story and the depths of my darkness, guys, take me out for coffee or tea. It's okay, you can do that. And I'll really share with you how broken I was. I really will. And that's the story of life. And I, I honor this place as my family this morning. I honor this church as my family this morning. I honor this place for all that Michelle and Jason and many people, Diane Cummins and Brian, Brian Cummins and, and people that are here this morning, for Jason's, uh, um, for Matt's kindness to me. Matt's so kind to me, so he is. And I'll miss him. And all those little trinkets are, are kingdom things this morning. Or even my view of men in my own life and the male role model in my own life has been healed in this place because men have been kind to me. And why is that? Because they see outside of themselves. They see outside of themselves. And Brian Cummins is one of those men. A gentle spirit on him. A loving Jesus. I love men that love Jesus this morning. I love men that love Jesus this morning. What's in your hand, church? What do you have in your hand? And this one verse stuck with me from that 24-7 prayer event that we were at. I didn't get in to hear the man fully. But he just said, isn't it wonderful how God plants things in our heart and then we give them away? He says, what do you have in your hand, Cheryl? What have I already given you? See, Moses, he was looking for the boat from heaven. Do you know what I mean? Oh, God, this is what you could do for me. You could send me a spaceship or something like that there, and I'll go and deliver them all. I'll take them all out. And then he just says to Moses, what's in your hand? And then Moses says, it's his staff. 
Oh, come on, God, what do you want to do with the staff? The Lord said, throw it to the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. And God asks us this morning, church, the very same question. He says, what's in your hand? He says, what have I already given you? Can you bake this morning? Can you counsel this morning? Can you fix tires this morning? Can you listen to people this morning? Church, what, what has God put in her hand? And you might say to me, oh, but I'm just a mother. I just look after children. No, no. God has said to you this morning, what have I put in your hand? And do you know what he's put in my hand? And I honestly believe this, and I'm not being funny at this. I actually think, and I'm not being uh, smart about this either, and it's all about, no, it's not about me this morning, but when God speaks to us to speak to others, he speaks, he speaks to us first of all, and then he speaks to others. Everything I say this morning is for me as well. Please, never think that I preach at you, but I'm with you. And here's what God says this morning. Cheryl, you know what I've given you? I've given you a fun spirit. I've just given you a fun spirit that allows people to feel at ease. And I pray that that is so. I couldn't tell you hardly a verse in the Bible that I remembered from Bible college. I must have learned 365 verses when I was in Bible college. One every day. And when you didn't know it, the matron asked you for it later on. Then you probably pull it out of your hand and then read it off to her. But seriously... I am not gifted that way. I am not gifted that way. But I'm telling you now, if you're new here this morning, or if you meet me out in the streets or whatever else, I want to make you smile. Because the Father has made me smile. I was done and God changed my life. When you go, you grow. When you go, you grow. And see, talking to Billy Johnson this morning, guys, get around that man. Get around that man. I talked to him for two or three minutes out there and he did my heart good. Get around that guy. You're up next week, Billy. <laughs> you see, we're all waiting. The church is all waiting saying this. I I'll be outward focused when I feel better. I'll be outward focused when we have a modeler ministry. I'll be outward focused when I have enough money to give away. I'll be outward focused when I pray more. I'll be outward focused when I read more of the Bible. I will wait until they call me a leader. And I give God that excuse every day. God, how could you use me? How can you use me? All that I have in my hand is this. Danielle Strickland, a wonderful Salvation Army uh, leader over in Canada. Look her up, guys. Do you know what she did? She had a local brothel, and you know what she did for that brothel? She baked buns. She baked buns, and she wrapped in the door. She wrapped in the door, and she gave the buns over. And she did that for weeks and months, and I'm not really sure of the whole story, but here's the thing. One day, she knocked on the door, and she brought in the buns, okay? And they invited her to come into the back because they couldn't get one of the girls to stop crying couldn't get one of the girls to stop crying. This is a wonderful teacher, Danielle Strickland. Please listen to her online. She's wonderful. And she went in, and I think that she led them to Jesus. And you know what? The brothel closed down. How did it close down? She used what she had in her hand. Guys, right now, God's going to deposit into your heart what he's given you in your hand. Be available and open this morning and he'll drop it into your heart right now and he'll reveal what's uniquely in your hand. I honestly believe there's not one person here that doesn't have something that God's given them that they can use outward focused for. Isn't that good? You don't look like it's good. <laughs> it's good. And I'm going to call a few people up very soon. You're saying to me, Cheryl, but sure the power wasn't in the rod. 
course it wasn't. What was it in? It was in God, but in one word. Obedience. Isn't it? I've heard Alan Scott say before, he says the church is crying out saying that they're not called to heal people or lead people to Jesus. But here, people, you're called to be obedient in whatever he calls you to do. Isn't that right? What happened when he used the rod? I love this story. Are you not loving this story? Seriously, go home and read it yourself, even if you're sick of listening to me. What happened when he used the rod? What happened to the waters? What happened to it? They went back and they walked on what kind of ground? They walked on dry ground. Here you are this morning. Here's God asking us as a church this morning, what do you want to see dried up in Dungannon? Sickness? Who's up for that? Loneliness? Pain? Abuse? Despair? Addiction? Suicide? Self-harm? Wrong view of God? Who wants to see that dried up? Who wants to see it dried up? Nigel Graham, wonderful man. See this lovely man here? He's seeing things dry up in Cali. Why? Because he just said, I'll go and I'll grow. He just said yes. He says, I'll get a kingdom perspective if you go. Can you buy someone a coffee? Can you garden? Can you drive a cancer patient to hospital? Can you visit the lonely? Can you invite someone for dinner? Can you speak truth? Can you give someone a room? Can you listen? Can you adopt? Can you foster? Can you bake? Can you fix things? Can you put someone, someone's bin out? Can you give someone a hug? Can you look someone in the eye and tell them that they're loved? Right throughout the week, individually, what we do will drive us corporately. corporately. We're being intentional. We're inviting. We're initiating. We're investing. We're involving. Are you being intentional and stuff? Church, are we being intentional? Are we really setting out each day to hear the Father for someone else? Am I? Are we inviting people to church and to our homes? Maybe church is too big a gap. Invite them to your home. Say, come for a bun. Cheryl's coming too. Brilliant. Invite me as well. Initiating conversation. Start a friendship in your workplace. You can't even stand them. God's saying to you, what, do you, what have you got in your hand? Invest in your money, your time, and your heart to go after the one. Involving in your world someone who, put, who the Father has put on your heart. Church is a launch pad for its people to be propelled into the world they live in. The world that you live in. You're a scattered servant this morning. We're scattered servants, guys. We're trusted rulers. We're scattered servants wherever we are. That's who we are. Psalm 27, 13 says this, and you'll be so glad I'm nearly done. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I live by that verse. I live by that verse. What do you want to see dried up in your family this morning? What do you want to see dried up in the office? What do you want to see dried up in your workplace? What do you want to see dried up in your local pub? What do you want to see dried up in your own life? If you're here this morning and you're, you're feeling like that sheep that has just gone outside of the fold, Jesus just wants to take you and he just wants to hold you and carry you. And he bore the weight of that on the cross. 
What is your norm today in the kingdom? What's become normal to you? What's my norm today? Doesn't have to be your norm for tomorrow. Because God can touch our hearts right now and give us a love for those who are outside the building. Peter and John, their kingdom, their kingdom perspective changed. At one stage, the disciples saw a lame man and they blamed sin. But Jesus said what? He said, no, this is for the glory of God. And then away on in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, Peter and John, they come across a guy who is lame outside the temple. And then they say to him, everybody knows the song, don't they? Everybody knows the song. I don't have silver or gold, they say. They said to the man at the temple who was a lame beggar, beggar, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And what did he do? Singing and leaping and praising God. Singing and leaping and praising God in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Are we leaving it to the MPs, to the councillors, to the police, to the hospital? Are we leaving it for them to do, to see things dried up in Dungannon? No. Because you have the words of eternal life because Jesus lives within you. It changes lives when we're outward focused. Was that okay to listen to? Was it okay? I'm going to ask up a few people really quickly, not even going to give them the microphone. And these aren't special people that I've just suddenly um, taken out. I know there are a lot of people in this church and you are outward focused in your work and that is amazing. And, and everywhere you go, you're outward focused. But these are the people. Could Sharon Moore come up a wee second, please? And Ali Moore and Linda Halliday and Nicola Burney, just really quickly. Is that all right? Will you give them a clap, please, for coming up? You just stay there. You just stay there. So all that I'm doing this morning is just asking these guys how they've been touched. Did we see the photos of the different things going up and stuff? Do you want to put the photographs up, first of all? So I'll run you through these photos. Are you still with me? We're nearly done. Okay. So that's healing on the streets, outward focused. My family. I'm intentional in this family to love these boys. Rhonda in Uganda, giving her life for education to help children, running the marathon for cancer, Caris Cancer Center in Cookstown. You use what's in your hand. That's a brilliant photo there. Do you know who it is? Where's Jamie Nesbitt? Hey, hey! Caris. Caris is a youth group that happens on Saturday night. We were there. Can we just applaud the people like Ruth Walker and all the other guys, please, that do that? Keep going, Jade. Outward Focus Christmas, that's it, keep going, lovely. Just Uganda again, going out to visit somebody, you can go and visit someone, what's God put in your hand? Talking to uh, kids pastors out in Uganda, is that it? Lovely, fantastic. Sharon, will you just come really quickly, I'm not even going to give you the microphone. You're being intentional in school about being outward focused, do you want to just tell us really quickly what that looks like? Okay, just about the power of positive words, you know, I love the fact that I, I'm so blessed to be able to speak to the kids in my classroom 
uh, all of the time and speaking words of life into their wee hearts and lives. Um, and I really feel so strongly about this because whenever I was younger, whenever I was in school, I was, there were a lot of negative words spoken over my life, especially when I was a teenager. Yes. Um, and a teacher spoke very negative words into my life that I took on board and I believed. Um, and at a stage I became extremely sick to the point where my mum and dad were told that I probably would take a heart attack and that that would be it. Um, so I kept on believing all those words all my life. Um, got very sick, seen many counsellors and different things and they told me that really, sorry, there's no hope. There was no hope for me at all, that they had tried everything they could but nothing was going to work for me. So then I started to believe what God, I had the choice then whether to believe what God was telling me about my life. And I took that on board. Um, then my dad, who would have spoken a lot of positive things in my life, um, died in 2013. So on the New Year's Day on 2014, then I sort of said to God, what am I going to do now? You know, who do I listen to now? And it was very clear that God said, speak for those with no voice. And I thought, but how could I speak for those with no voice when I don't have a voice? But God really spoke into my life. And as, as all throughout the years, I can so see how he's beginning to give me a voice so that I can speak for those who don't have a voice. Privilege of doing that every single day in my classroom. As a teacher, fantastic. You go and sit down, lovely. And we, we, have, just, we have just had a prayer space happen in Dungannon Primary uh, where... Um, 125 maybe children came through that and Sharon helped with that, a prayer space in Dungannon Primary. That's our second one that we've done in a year. And you know that whenever we get the opportunity to speak in schools, if I did one assembly each week for four weeks in a row, I would get the opportunity to speak to a thousand children. Isn't that amazing? That's outward focused. Ali, really quickly, how did you feel whenever God said to you to pray for somebody in a hospital one day? You can just say, absolutely, no, no, no cursing, Ali. <laughs> no, uh I, I just didn't want to do it. And didn't want to do it. No, I definitely didn't want to do it. And as a matter of fact, I got up to leave that night and I said, right, Gail convinced me you have to pray for them. So I said, right, Gail, okay. So I went over to them and I said, good night, see you tomorrow. And we left. And by the time I got to the car, I realized the charger was laying in the car. And I said, fine, God, I'll go back and I will pray for them this time. Uh -huh. So I ended up, went back, um, got my charger, went over to them and I asked him if it was okay to pray for them. Now, I didn't pray for them there and then. Yeah. I waited till I got home and I prayed at home. Um, the next day I went in and they weren't there. Um, so it was a few days later, whenever we were getting out of the hospital with Ella, um, I met him, met the husband in the corridor, and he just, he was he coming out of the toilet actually, and he looked at me and he started to walk away and he stopped and he turned around and said, it's you. And I said, yeah, how's everything going? And he goes, fantastic. He said, uh, by the next morning, all, well, what I, what I didn't say was the woman, she was really ill. You know, the, the doctors, there's five or six doctors rushed to this woman and nurses and all rushed to her. Um, they were with her for maybe 45 minutes. And then, uh, and she came around again. She came through again. And then, as I said, I met him a few days later and he said, it's you. And he goes, how's everything now? And he goes, great. He says, that morning, thank you very much, so much for praying for us. Says the next morning, the infection markers were dropped on both her and the child, and she was just well again. Like, do you hear what the man said? Thank you for asking me and stepping out of your comfort zone, out of your norm. Pray for me. Now, what do you hear this? And in just one sentence, Ali, you invited somebody to church last week. What was her name? 
Emma, Moore. And relationship to you? She was my sister. And what happened at the very end? Who did you get to pray with? I got to pray with Emma to invite Jesus into her heart. He led his sister to Jesus last week. Thank you, man. Linda, come on ahead. Come on ahead, Nicola. Now, young Dave, this is for you, boy. You're looking at me with a squinty eye there, thinking, what's she going to say? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, David, Dave Moore, isn't that right? Didn't he? Yes. Wasn't he in? Yes. So, Dave's thinking, what are you going to say? He's there. So, here's a lady who has come to church in the past year, isn't that right? Recently got baptized. Totally opened her heart to Jesus. Yes. yes. Isn't that right? <laughs> and um, met the church in her hairdressers. Uh, she's a wonderful hairdresser. Can I just advertise that this morning? And who came into the hairdressers? Who was outward focused? Who said yes to God? I'll use what's in my hand. Uh, Davy. Uh, or as I called him for a wee while, Anne's hobby. <laughs> yeah. And what did he do? He came into your. He came in. You were cutting people's hair, and he gave. Did he give you sweets or something? Yeah, yeah. Just in with chocolates, and would have offered to pray for some of the clients. Yeah. Would just say hello and offer chocolates. And and one day, and one day, you said yes to taking the prayer, didn't you? I did. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you sense anything of God even at that and stuff? You can be totally up, uh, uh, totally honest. It doesn't. You don't need to stand up here and say yes, I felt God or whatever. That, do you see the chain? Do you see the chain of different people? coming along the path of this wonderful lady who now fully knows Jesus, fully filled with the Spirit, fully baptized, and loves God. Was it a good thing that the church, the local church, was outward focused? Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, David had been in a few times. I think Anne had been in a few times. Uh -huh. And, you know, you know, it was lovely. They'd come in with their chocolate, and it was really nice. Uh -huh. And But I don't know if I, I ever really kind of stopped and really paid attention. Uh -huh. And... Privately, I suppose, I was going through things, and I think a couple of other people were praying as well. But I just had it in my heart that day, the, the day that Davy did walk in, and that I did let him pray, um, it was nearly, I suppose, my clients were sitting there, yeah. staff were sitting there, and I just thought to myself, do you know what? I think I have to do this in front of people. Isn't that amazing, guys? Seriously. I'm so proud of you. I really mean that. So proud of you. Davy Moore and Anne, can you give them a clap, please, too? Guys, you can sit down. Thank you. Nicola Burney, really quickly, come on ahead up, and then we're going to pray, guys. I know that I've kept you long this morning, but here's the thing. When you go, you grow. And here is the livid evidence of people living an outward-focused life in every day, everywhere, where and when, Everywhere, everyone, every day. Really quickly, Nicola, Nicola, this is a wonderful story. If she doesn't tell the whole thing now, seriously, meet with her. She had a God meeting. Meet with her. This, this lady is a wonderful lady and a wonderful friend. <laughs> and she's as nervous as could be. <laughs> so you just look at me, Nicola. What happened to you in a car park one day? Right? Really quickly, just who did you meet in a car park one day and what did he say to you? Okay. Well, I have to say, the Sunday before that, I came up to the front for prayer because I had a lot of pain in my back. And two ladies prayed for my back, and I didn't feel any pain from then on. But I was a bit sort of, what is going on here? Because it's the first time I've been here. So I was like, I didn't know. And I ended up in a car park. Where I just parked my car, and I got out, and a man came over to me. And he said, he just started talking straight away. And he just said, um, when I was born, um, everybody told me and my parents I would never walk. But lots of people prayed for me. 
and I could walk, and he started doing this dance in front of me. <laughs> so a man you've never met in a car park started to do a dance in front of you, Johnny. I wouldn't let her out again in her own, to be honest. It's a bit dangerous. And what did he, wait, church, listen to this. What did he say to you, Nicola? He just looked at me directly in the eyes, and he said, God can heal broken backs. What? And then, Nicola, one of the most beautiful things that he asked you that always stays with me, he says these words, can I walk with you? Does anybody else not sense God's presence on those words? And, and he came back to, yeah, and then he what? He just disappeared, didn't he? Yeah, I was walking into the shop really quickly, and then I, I just said, I, I just said, I have to go and do something, and he said, um, okay, and we just sort of parted ways. Really. Just parted ways, and that was him gone. Will you give Nicola a big clap, please, for telling her story this morning? <laughs> Guys, shall we pray this morning? Shall we pray? Shall we pray? Let's close our eyes. Always tell the children, it just helps us to concentrate. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. And I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Because the greatest person that we need to meet this morning is him. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. Maybe you're here for the very first time. And right now, I'm going to welcome the Holy Spirit to come on you. And you're going to start to sense something that you've never sensed before. And it's the presence of God. And if you want to know Jesus this morning in your life, you don't need to know everything about him in order to let him in. But you do need to do one thing. You need to say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart and I turn around and I follow you. And if that's you this morning, will you just put your hand up in the air and put it back down again? Just so I know that God's doing something in the room. Just put your hand up and back down again. Your heart is flying this morning. You're sensing the love of the Father, the goodness of God. And you want to know this Jesus that has changed our lives as a church. Is that you this morning? Come, Holy Spirit. I welcome your presence. And then I'm going to ask for us to do something brave this morning. And we're done now in another second. You've forgotten who you are, church forgotten who we are. I'm a kingdom carrier this morning. I walk into a room and the atmosphere changes. You've just forgotten who you are. But your DNA will always be and can only but always be outward focused because that was the heart of Jesus. Will you stand this morning? Will you stand up from your seat this morning and say, in your heart, Jesus, I want more of you to help me to go and grow. Will you do that this morning? Who will be the first to stand? Thank you, God. It was such a privilege of mine to see my neighbors in this church this morning. It's such a privilege of mine to see our hairdresser here this morning. It's such a privilege of mine to see people that are young in faith this morning in church. It's an absolute privilege to have your children sit under teaching this morning. It's an absolute privilege to come to church this morning and to think that God has changed our lives. 
Holy Spirit, I pray for these people right now. We are your church and we are your people. And every day and everywhere and everyone is a kingdom carrier. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy any longer. You do not have to wait till you have it all together. You are a wounded healer. And you are going to meet people in this week ahead, like Nick Laburnie, like Linda Halliday, like Sharon, like Ali's sister, that are dying, dying, dying to hear that there's hope in Jesus. Dying to hear it. And right now, if you've forgotten what God's put in your hand and what he's going to use, you see, it just looked like a rod in the hand of Moses, but it was mighty in the hand of God. And he's going to tell you now what he's put in your hand. And what he's put in your hand, he hasn't put in mine. You're a mummy this morning. I'm really sensing that you're a mummy this morning and you've forgotten who you are and you're tied up in looking after little babies and children and stuff and you think you've no place in the kingdom. That's a lie this morning. You can love other mummies. You can love other mummies. You can walk with other mummies. You can tell them it's hard, but there is an end in sight. Jesus, will you break our heart for the lost sheep? Will you please come, Holy Spirit, and set us on fire that all we will want to be is a people who are outward focused, longing to see people come to life and freedom in Jesus because you are good. We worship you, God, with our lives. There is going to be story after story after story in the week ahead. And guys, some of us are going to fail in taking the opportunity, but it's okay, there's going to be another one. There's going to be another one. Because that happened to me too. God, we love this church. And we love our family. Speak well of your family this morning in Vineyard Church in Gannon. And I really mean that with all my heart. If you're not speaking well of your family, will you come and see me and get prayer this morning? If you need forgiven for stuff. And go and grow, church. Go and love people. Who, what, where, when. But why? Because he first loved us. Shall we give Jesus a clap this morning? Is that okay? Or quite American? <laughs> Bless you.